This is CBS News on the Hour, your home for original reporting. I'm Allison Keyes in Washington. States and businesses are trying to deal with the CDC's easing of mask requirements for fully vaccinated people. Emergency room doctor Megan Ranney says it can be a challenge. There's no way for a business to know whether people are vaccinated or not. I think we're going to see a lot of big businesses go towards vaccine passports in order to keep their employees and their customers safe. But for others, they may just have to accept that risk. What made the CDC change its guidelines? CBS's Michael George explains. There were three major studies released this week that reportedly helped drive the CDC to ease its mask guidelines. The findings add to a growing body of evidence that the vaccines are effective at preventing severe illness and death from COVID-19 and that they help prevent people from spreading the virus to others. It's getting worse in the Middle East where Israel rains missiles on Gaza and Palestinian militants are launching rockets. CBS's MTS Tayab is there. Across Gaza, more horror as the death toll surges to nearly 140, including 39 children. While in Israel, another night of incoming Hamas rocket fire. So far, nine Israelis have been killed, including a five-year-old. Back in Washington, there's consternation over a new commission that's set to investigate that deadly riot at the U.S. Capitol. CBS's Christina Ruffini reports. House members agreed to create a 9-11 style commission to investigate the assault on the Capitol. The panel will include five Democrats and five Republicans. And that panel remains controversial with some Republicans who say the party needs to focus on moving forward. In Arizona, Republicans have hired workers to look over more than two million ballots more than six months after the 2020 election. CBS's Chris Van Cleve spoke with the former Secretary of State who's supervising the process. Ken Bennett is overseeing the audit. This has nothing to do with going back and trying to change the results of the November 2020 election. This is only about identifying whether we have some strengths and weaknesses in our election processes. Workers have used UV lights to check for watermarks on ballots, a QAnon conspiracy claim. Others are said to be looking for bamboo fibers as proof votes were smuggled in from Asia. Do you really think thousands of ballots were flown in from Asia? No, I don't personally, but there are a lot of people that do. Leaders from around the world, including the U.S., met virtually to discuss ways to stop extremist violence from spreading online. It's part of a global effort started by the president of France and the prime minister of New Zealand after deadly attacks in their nations were shared on social media. Two years ago, a white supremacist in New Zealand live-streamed the killing of 51 Muslim workers on Facebook. This is CBS News. CBS News Radio is your home for breaking news. With our team of reporters around the country and the world, we give you the coverage you can trust. The pandemic has caused families to spend more time in close quarters than ever before. But if you're noticing an emotional distance between you and your child because of their drug or alcohol use, you may not know where to turn. Partnership to End Addiction can help. With free guidance, support, and resources, we work directly with families and communities across the country to help save lives. And we can help you too. To End Addiction, start with connection. Reach out to us at drugfree.org. Is a new war with China coming? Even Henry Kissinger is warning Americans. Now, Newsmax's Grant Stinchfield looks at the dangerous red dragon and shows how Trump's policies worked. Tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern to see Stinchfield's series, The Dangerous Dragon. Newsmax TV is on all major cable systems. If you don't get it, tell your cable operator you want it. Or download the free Newsmax app on your phone and start watching right away. Millions are watching Newsmax. So should you. 
Law Matters is paid for by Law Matters Nonprofit Organization. Opinions expressed are those of the hosts and guests and not necessarily those of KVOI or its sponsors. Most people know that Law Matters was created to open the lines of communication with law enforcement, as well as create educational opportunities so we can be better, more informed citizens. For the last several months, all the news stations have been promoting a negative mindset towards the entire law enforcement community. I agree that some of the recent events are beyond egregious. However, those events do not represent the vast majority of the brave men and women who risk their lives daily to keep the rest of us safe. I'm asking you to please, next time you see a member of law enforcement, show some appreciation and thank them for their service. Now, let's start the show. Good morning, Arizona. Thank you for joining us. I want to first acknowledge that it is National Armed Forces Day, and we want to thank all our military for everything that they do. We want to thank law enforcement, too. They're our everyday local military doing what they need to do to keep us safe. Okay, in the studio, we have DEA Special Agent in Charge, Sherry Oz. Thank you for joining us. Good morning. Happy to be here. And on the phone, we have Javier Pena from Narcos, and he's calling in from, where are you calling in from? San Antonio, Texas. See, I knew that. So how are you doing? Good, thank you, and thank you all for inviting me to the show, and uh, uh, Zach, Sherry, hopefully uh, we're going to see each other soon here. Yes, sir. (laughs) Very cool. So tell our listeners... I should probably start with Sherry. Tell our listeners a little bit about your background, and then we'll ask Javier about his background before we start interrogating people. So mine is not exciting as his, not as exciting (laughs) for sure. Um, I started out law enforcement in the 90s here in Phoenix as a local police officer and um, went on to DEA in 2002, and I did a, a tour in Los Angeles, Miami, uh, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and I finally made it back to Arizona. And you love it here, right? I do. Yeah, I do, too. So, Javier, tell us a little bit about your background. Yep, I'm uh, I'm from uh, Hebronville, Texas, South Texas, population 5,000. Anyway, uh, worked with the sheriff's office in Laredo, then hired on with DEA, did a... Uh, four years in Austin, Texas, and went to Columbia for six years. Then after Columbia, went to uh, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico to headquarters, where I did my headquarters time there at the SOD. And it's a special operations uh, division. Anyway, after headquarters, went back to Columbia for two more years, then came to San Antonio, then got promoted to the agent in charge of San Francisco four years, and uh, Puerto Rico was there also as the agent in charge, and uh, finished out my career in Houston, uh, Texas. So, uh, and then I uh, retired and came back to uh, lovely, uh, great San Antonio. So here's where I'm at. So you've you've got a um, a gig now that you're helping a TV show talk about what really goes on in in Mexico and with the the drug cartel called Narcos, and I understand that this whole show, this whole program, was based on you and your partner Steve, who's not here, but we can talk about him. 
He's not here to defend <laughs> yeah. himself. Let's let's <laughs> let's hear the dirt. <laughs> yeah, nah. yeah. And, and basically, what what, what happened uh, after uh, after retirement? We got contacted uh, by a guy named Eric Newman, who's actually the uh, the founder the, of of Narcos. That was a uh, his concept. And at the time, we did not know it was Netflix. It was a company called Gamont. Anyway, later on, they they sold their uh, their you know their uh, show to uh, Netflix. But all, all it was, they were looking for some consultants on on uh, on Pablo Escobar. So Steve and I had uh, worked uh, that case in Colombia, and uh, you know it's in law enforcement, as you have no time in this everything, right? It was like, wow, uh, we're getting close to retirement. We're retirement. There's a gig out there that's asking for. You know we're gonna we're gonna get paid uh, some money and just consult on a on a new TV show. You know, in our, in our first question, you know what? Uh, Pablo Escobar was killed in 1993. Now, why all of a sudden? You know, this was back in you know 2014, 2015 that we had been con- contacted. I mean, the story's been done, but er- Eric Newman, to his uh, I guess uh, creativity. Uh, wanted to produce a, a series uh, about it. There's been a lot of documentaries down, uh, done, so obviously uh, we signed on it. And, and you know, kind of uh, funny, we did not want to do it. Uh, and then, you know, when we met with them, they were like, well, you know, these are, you know, good guys, you know, and we're not Hollywood people. It, and the only caveat on our on 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 our consulting is all right. You are going to do a show, but the only caveat is that you do not glamorize Pablo Escobar, yeah. and uh, they promised that they would not do it. At, at points in the series, you there's a little, but I think it's more because of the actors. But anyway, that that was our caveat that you know we do not want uh, Escobar to be glamorized, as y'all know, TV shows right now. On, uh, on narcos, I mean, on, narc- on the narcotic trafficker, you know, uh, people sometimes idolize them, you know, and, you know, just changing the subject, one of my favorite shows is Scarface, right? <laughs> I always think it comes on to, you know, I always watch uh, Scarface. And, uh, but we a- were a- just anyway. talking about that because, like Scarface, Al Capone, he, the local people, idolized him because he if he thought you needed groceries he'd buy you groceries if you need what you needed he gave you medical care whatever and it was like a robin hood theory and it seems like you know some of these people pablo especially are yeah exactly are are living that type of a life right and and as sherry knows this traffickers are ruthless they're only Concern is getting their dope uh, into the United States or other countries. They don't care who dies, who gets killed That's in the true. process. All they're looking for is is their profits uh, margins. And then later on, you know, I'll explain also the uh, Pablo Escobar and that Robin Hood uh, persona uh, that he had. But uh, uh, like you said, let me get the, you know, I, I know, Sherry, you've seen a lot of, and you know what, uh, congratulations. I mean, you've been more places than I have. You've been in bigger cities, more experience. So congratulations. You have a lot of experience. But I, I, I know with the violence, especially there, Sherry, and I'm not sure at this point if you want to you know, get into it, but uh, I know you've seen it there, right? Absolutely. Arizona. 
absolutely. It's um, it's right here in our backyard. It's devastating our communities. Yeah, it is. And I was wondering, there's, you know, with El Chapo in prison and with his wife now in prison, what do you think is going to happen with the drug trade? Is it going to get less? Is it going to be more, more violent? What's going to go on, in your opinion? So my opinion, <laughs> I don't know if you want me or Javi, but my opinion no, is, that's your area. <laughs> is as we as we take out one uh, leader of a cartel, and we've seen the fractions, uh, and with CJNG in Sinaloa and some of the uh, Chapitos, they're all fighting against each other, and they are becoming more violent and more deadly. We had over 35,000 narcotics-related murders in Mexico just last year. That's oh, my an, God. That we know of. That, I mean, that's an incredible number uh, of people dying, and they're being killed because, they're, because the United States is so desperate for their product. Um, and it's just a, a greed and money, uh, and that has never changed the cartels. In the way they go about doing their business. And if people are listening, if they're on our website, lawmatters1030.org, there is a map and it'll show you which cartel group is in charge of which area of Mexico if you want to follow along that way. So, how do you feel? Let me just say, Sherry, I like your uh, the Chapitos. That's the first time I hear it. So <laughs> I'm going to be using that with all the Chapitos and one of these. <laughs> sorry, sorry to use your word. But it, and also on, on, on Sherry's, like she said, uh, with cartels, you know what? We get asked in, in Colombia, what happened? We took down the Medellin cartel, one of the most ruthless, you know, terrorism cartels in the world. We took them down. And what happened? Cali Cartel took it over, right? Then we go after the Cali Cartel. We took them over. Then the North Valley. So, I, you know, I, the moral of the story is as long as, you know, there's uh, money to be made, a cartel will be taken down. Another one is ready to uh, step in and, uh, you know, and take its place. Never-ending story. And I heard last week that some of the cartel have actually gotten into the avocado business because it's so lucrative. So if you see avocados from Mexico, don't buy them. <laughs> Just don't buy them. You're supporting the cartels. And I tell people repeatedly, that you're, how do you feel about, Javier, how do you feel about um, the talk now is all drug or um, police reform? What do you, what do you yeah. think should be reformed? You know what, uh, Sherry, that's a, that's a great question. And, and I think uh, I heard on uh, when you said, you know, in my my uh, my opinion is most of the cops, the majority are good guys. As you know, they're they're good men and women in law enforcement. It's that small percentage. We have them. We we you know we we have them in DEA. Uh, there's been some famous wow uh, you know cases of DEA agents uh, going bad, but the majority of, of law enforcement they're good police officers. Uh, and obviously we're, we're, we're going through some, you know, uh, trying times right now, but, you know, and, and, you know, the, it, it, it's, it is changing. Um, I just wish we, we would have started, you know, changing this, uh, uh, before and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we need to get better. And, uh, like I said, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a, 
very, I guess, trying times we're, we're going through right now. And, uh, you know, reforms, of course, we welcome any type of reform that's going to make us better. Uh, you know, and I go back to, you know, our, our, our training, our, our ethics, uh, you know, which is very important. Our, you know, because once you cross that line, you cannot come back. Uh, I'll always remember as a cop, there was a big seizure, money seizure, and one of the, you know, one of the cops, hey, boss, you know, we're all hungry here. You know, I don't know, there's 200,000 bucks here. Why don't we just take 20 bucks, you know, go get a pizza for everybody, some sodas. Once you take that 20 bucks, yeah, that's it. You're, you're not, you know, going to be able to undo that. So, you know, I, I always believe in, in, in training. And I think, uh, in, uh, you know, sharing my counterpart here, uh, you, you, you can attest. We started, you know, uh, we weren't, when I came on training, it wasn't really there. Then all of a sudden we started getting better. We started realizing, hey, guys, we need to train better, you know, uh, better backgrounds, our, our ethics, uh, that type of training, which is we all need it. We, we need to uh, get better in that. And uh, so uh, that, any type of reform that's going to make us uh, law enforcement better, I'm, I'm all for it. Yeah, and I, I don't think you can name any industry where you don't have a few bad apples. Any industry, I don't care what it is. And, right, right. You know, to we've had them in DEA, which is, and we have a great vetting process. But you know, it it, it happens that greed. Uh, uh, I don't know. It it just happens. We just need to weed them out and get better at what we're doing. Yes, absolutely. I think we all need to be a little bit better, and that's why we do this show, so we can be educated and understand and communicate, and I think that's a part of it. How do you feel about the um, marijuana being legalized? Javier? Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You know what? Yeah. In the, the legalization, as you know, let me just say, and I'm speaking, you know, with my experience uh it's 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 important what we're seeing right now the problem with the marijuana is that the new marijuana that's out there that thc and and you know and i'm going to refer some of this to sherry because she's more in the loop than i am but you know what when i was in san francisco i was there for four years and i was there at the height of, of the legalization our in DEA, and I want people to understand, we're not after the users. We're not after the guy out there in the street corner. Uh, we're, that's not a priority. Uh, our, our priority was the major organizations that were, you know, bringing the the, the marijuana, the organized uh, trafficking organizations. Anyway, my, my beef right now is that THC in. You know, you got some of this hydroponics. I mean, wow. I mean, I saw it in San Francisco where they had the the biologists, the chemists, you know, I mean, you know, the the grow houses. And that THC was, I don't know, I don't know what it is right now, Sherry, but I remember back in San Francisco, that was 20, 25% 
on a joint. I remember the the marijuana when I was growing up was in the 60s, 70s, you know, that THC, I think they call it skunk marijuana, right? It was one, <laughs> maybe 2%. 1%, but yes. Now, yeah, now it's like, you know, up in the middle 20s, and that's the last I heard of it. But uh, my, my point is, it is so potent that it's 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 getting to that uh, dangerous side. Uh, so uh, it's just we gotta, like I said, be careful with uh, what we're seeing. And you know, let me ask Sherry, what's the THC right now? I've been out of it for a while. You know, we are way high. We're well over twenty percent. So we're looking wow. at a significant impact on the people that use. And you brought up some great things, and I'm glad you, that you advocate for DEA all the time. You and Steve are my celebrity crushes because I'm so (laughs) proud of what you continue to do for DEA. Um, You're my best recruiters. So I, I, one of the things that you brought up was the, that we don't go after users. And I think that's an important point to bring out over and over and over again. DEA focuses on high value targets that prey upon users. They are predators. And that is, we're in it to protect the United States, to protect the people here um, and and to ensure, you know, certainly we're anti-violence uh, and that's an important focus and I'm I'm happy every time you guys bring that up because you you make DEA look good, which is, I'm certainly happy for. <laughs> no, thank you for those kind of words, but in, in, I remember even uh, in my days, uh, you know, with us, I mean, it was you know the, the 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 crooks were coming in, robbing people, tying them up, you know, stealing. So I mean, it brings another side to the coin of the marijuana uh, problem. Where, and I and I know, and Sherry, I think you know, with all the financial, the money laundering going on. So, uh, and, and I'm here in San Antonio, so I, you know, and I was also the boss here in San Antonio, and I remember. Uh, all this, you know, organized Mexican traffickers coming in, buying property. I mean, I was a big advocate. Businesses, money, land, it was all uh, drug money. And you know what? And I'm going to mention uh, also, uh, we all know the our uh, uh, famous and uh, the story about it. You know, it's a very probably DA's uh, one of DA's most tragic stories is the killing of our agent, Kike Camarena, who was killed in uh, 1985. You know, we started the Red Ribbon campaign. Anyway, what I'm trying to say is we even had money from the the Carlo Quintero, who organized the killing, torture of our agent. We even had money in a restaurant here in San Antonio. I mean, that's how, you know, and this was not too far ago that we seized uh, the business. It was trafficking money from the old uh, Carlo Quintero, who was responsible for the killing of our agent, Enrique Quique Camarena, which is, like you said, one of our most uh, drastic, uh, you know, uh, episodes uh, in, in DEA because of the way they did it. But anyway, there was even money uh, here in uh, in San Antonio, and uh, so it's uh, you know the the money the ill gotten money is all over the place right now you know with us uh, traffickers. Sure, and we used to have um, cartels. Their cash crop really was marijuana, and we saw a lot of violence and 
um, well, trafficking of marijuana. And in recent years with the legalization movement, we have actually seen that change into synthetics. So we're really looking at now much more dangerous and deadly drugs. We're looking at methamphetamine and fentanyl. Um, and we know that the, the pills that are coming in, one in every four pill is a lethal dose. So you're really rolling the dice if you're taking any pill that you buy illicitly. Yeah, it's so you know true. What, and I'm glad you brought that up. We were helping a, a group also with the fake pills, but you know what? I, I never, I mean, I knew the concept, but once you start talking to the victim's families, you like, what happened? You know what I'm saying? It's heartbreaking, and, and right? Talk, heartbreaking. It, it is heartbreaking, yes. I mean, it's something, and I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, younger kid never took any type of dope. He had, he had a, he was having a lot of problems sleeping because of an allergy. A buddy of his just says, Hey, take a, here's a pill. It's a Xanax. Just, just, just one. You'll sleep all night. Yeah. And the kid was like, yeah, I haven't slept like in two weeks. Good kid. You know, no, right. you know, he just took, took it. And all of a sudden didn't wake up in the morning. And, and what happened is that pill had just a little bit of fentanyl on the way they explain it. And I'm not, but it's just like one grain of salt that, yeah. you know, or even less, you know, that's all it takes. But that pill was a counterfeit. It wasn't a real Sanex. Took it from a buddy of his who had bought it in the black market. I mean, and it was just, the family was devastated. I think the young man was 18 years old. And when, when you talk to the family members, and then if you multiply that story by thousands, because it's basically the same type of concept. Uh, I need something. Yeah, here's a friend. Uh, yeah, hey, I have this pill in my medicine cabinet. Uh, people out there listening, do not, do not uh, take those pills unless it's prescribed from a doctor. Uh, but it, it's just, there's too many horror stories uh, uh, of what I just mentioned, but it's, uh, and Sherry, I'm glad you brought it up. I know you've had that experience there in Arizona, right? Absolutely. We lost uh, last year over 90,000 people to fentanyl overdoses. Um, we just started Operation Project Wavebreaker, and I'll just plug that real quick. Uh, Project Wavebreaker is a devoting resources to stop the trafficking of dangerous drugs, specifically fentanyl, into the United States. So we're putting all of our energy really to um, to put up a nice wall against fentanyl and, and do our best to keep it out of the country. I think one of the things we need to do is, is, you know, they talk about police reform, and I've said this repeatedly, we need to reform the problem, and the problem is drugs. And every high-profile case that has happened where they're bad-mouthing law enforcement has involved illegal use of drugs, selling of drugs, taking of drugs, whatever they're doing. And I think if we would get more money into let's reform these people and get them off the drugs into drug rehab we would some of these people would be alive all these wonderful parents who are drug addicts would be alive just me i'm being sarcastic it just makes me mad (laughs) 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 and the worst part right now is because fentanyl is a powder 
it can be hidden and concealed in anything. And it's so highly addictive. So the cartels as their business model, because they're just looking, they don't care about us. They're just looking for more customers and more money. And so they're preying on the fact that we are a pill-driven society. We've been taking pills since we were kids, right? Vitamins and Tylenol or whatever whatever we take. When we go to the doctor, that's how we solve problems with pills. Uh, so they're preying on that and they're putting this powder in everything. So people are buying things illicitly that they believe to be something else. Like your story with the Xanax, they're putting fentanyl in, mar- in marijuana. So now you become instantly addicted to that that particular seller's marijuana in methamphetamine, in cocaine, in heroin, anything that you're buying illicitly, most likely at this point has fentanyl in it, which creates an addiction that you weren't planning on. I didn't know that. And and if you get that little dose of uh, you know fentanyl, that's you know that that grain of salt, that's going to be it for you. I mean, it is just so. And, and I'm glad everybody's talking about it. We need to get that word out to the people. It's that you know those those fake. And, and I'm just you know, and I'm going. You know, I'm, I'm glad Sherry brought up. You know, they're putting it in marijuana. Uh, they're putting it in, and, and I think, and I've talked to traffickers and addicts, and I think the way, and correct me if I'm wrong, Sherry, but it didn't start like the trafficker wanted to have the better uh, pills, the better dope, so they started, and then all of a sudden, you know, and and also remember, these people are not chemists, <laughs> the traffickers, they're not, you know, scientists, you know, right? And no I, I quality no, control. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. I give the example. When I was in Houston, wow, I went after and I didn't care. It was all remember that the the synthetic marijuana. Remember we had that craze? Oh uh, yes. Was it two yes. spice? And they were selling it legally at the uh, gas at, stations. Uh, grocery stores, yes. at gas stations uh-huh. and it was and then we started seeing young kids getting really sick and some of them dying. Yeah. So what happened, and they were make, they were mixing it in Houston. It was, in Houston, we had a big market. And I'm going to go, you know, I'm retired, so I can say whatever I want, right? <laughs> but, you know, our, our U.S. attorney wasn't going after them because, you know, at that time, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Sherry, but the, the right to makeup was still legal, right? It was not illegal, I think, if I right. can say I'm that. I'm not retired, so was, I can't yeah. uh, say, <laughs> I can't comment. We love our partnership with the U.S. Attorney, but yes, there... Of course. Yes, yeah, but I, I do too, but the U.S. Attorney did not want to go after this. I said, guys, look at all the deaths. And I go on TV, man. You know, I broke all sorts of rules and policies. Never broke the law. I was a little out there, but I, I would bring in the media to the little warehouses and you know how, how they were mixing it with cement concrete cement mixers they'd have three or four yes i mean it's so they put the the cannabinoid which they would get from china in with a marrow and it wasn't marijuana it was like barley so they mix it all together in a cement so what was going on and this is why people were dying and getting sick is that maybe 20 packages of that marijuana, I mean, not, it wasn't marijuana, it was barley and cannabinoid, right, to make the, the thing that makes it high. So you would have 20, 30 packages that were like 90% concentrated, wow. and the other packages were weak, 
but they're mixing it in cement mixers. <laughs> so Mass production. That was, the, that was the problem. That's why people were getting sick and, and dying. And you know what? I, I bring up the media said, you know, uh, finally the U.S. attorney. We started getting help. I mean, and uh, but it, it, it was. And then I think DEA uh, scheduled all sorts of compounds, and I'm sure right now it's all illegal. But you know, and, and you'd go to the service station owners, and I, I get the owner I'd say, man, you do you let your kids buy this stuff? Oh no, no, I don't let. Yeah, but you, everybody else is using it, man. People are getting sick, not dying. Yeah, it's and, okay and to kill somebody else's kid, right? Right. So I, I would just come in, you know what, take all that shit out of the, uh, uh, you know, the, the shelves. Uh, but, you know, and I, I, I think, we, are we still seeing that, Sherry, right now? So we, the, we, ha- we have a pretty good handle on analogs right now. We just recently yeah, yeah. got our emergency scheduling back. So um, I, we've extended it. So analogs, and we're seeing analogs, uh, the basalts started it, all the cannabinoids. Right. Um, and now we're seeing with all the syn- synthetics as well. So we're seeing uh Fentanyl. There's a new strain of fentanyl, parafluoral fentanyl, that is more dangerous, more deadly, more lethal. Um, so they keep trying to get around our laws, and, and we're doing a really good job because we've learned um, through the years to kind of stay on the top of, of any kind of analog. Oh, that's very good. I'm glad you brought that up. You have the analogs. I forgot all about that. Uh, but there are still... They're still experimenting with that stuff, the traffickers, right? Of course. They, they're they always yeah. looking for a way around. And again, they're preying on that we will try any super drug that they give us. And if they can get us addicted, it's a moneymaker. It's a done it, deal. It, it's, it's a moneymaker. Like I said, I go back to my Houston days. I mean, it was, we'd hit some of the search warrants and it was always a uh, uh, a young type of person who was, you know, head of the organization there. <laughs> and, you know, they'd have, you know, four or five million dollars already in, in the bank of all the profits uh, uh, that they were making. But, you know, I, I would just, I don't know, I'd always get, that was on my soapbox. I'd always get people, guys, don't, you know, to the to the service station owners, don't, don't sell it. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, and we did start arresting people, but it's it's a big uh, problem. And, and what happened in in, uh, in uh, the packages? There were, you know, the traffickers are always trying to be ahead of law enforcement. They did say, "Hey, this is not for human consumption." But why are you selling it? This right? Yeah. No. You know, there's always a you know that they're trying to to get at. So. Sherry, I'm glad y'all are, wow, um, yeah, and I forgot about that that type of problem. I mean, we have the fentanyl, all the other drugs, the meth, all that sort of thing, and then uh, to top it off, this one also. Well, right, because historically in drug trafficking, it would be a crop, right? So we could look at, here's a field of, of cocoa leaves, right, cocoa plants. Here's a field of marijuana. Here's a field of opium, uh, opium poppies. So we knew what drugs were made of and we could predict how much a crop would yield. So we had an idea of how much of any specific drug there was in the world. But now with synthetics being made in a super lab, it is unquantifiable. And if it gives you context, five years ago, DEA seized zero fentanyl pills, zero. Last year, we seized over 6 million pills just in Arizona. Just the Phoenix Field Division, six million pills. The population of of the Phoenix uh, metropolitan area is six point four million. 
we seized enough to save our entire county. Wow. Wow. That puts it in perspective. Yeah, impressive stat. That is unbelievable. But how much did we miss? You know, like that's the stuff that keeps you up at night is what didn't I get? Who is, who has access to this? Who's next? What victim is next? And it, it's a call really to us to action that we have to stay vigilant. We have to stay on top of these pills. We have to keep going. Um, And I, and you said that in your book and I, um, I, I read your book, Manhunters, um, mm-hmm. and I just Thank got the, the paperback came out uh, in last year, in November, I got it. And mm-hmm. one of the things that you wrote uh, in your section at the end is, you're so complimentary to, to the Columbia National Police, and I yeah. love that. The, the whole book yeah. is so humble and, and I think very true to what DEA does in our liaison capacity throughout the world. Because we're, we're, again, we're worldwide. So we partner with um, law enforcement agencies everywhere. But your conclusion, I think, was was really struck a chord with me. And one of the things you said is we are that you wanted to give up. There were so many times in your quest for Pablo that you thought, wow, this is too hard. It's too much. And I want to give up. And you said, we are the good guys and we will always win. And that's something I, I say over and over to my guys and to whoever, well, to whoever will listen actually, is that we don't have an option to ever stop. We don't have an option to let COVID affect us or let um, media affect us or let um, bad opinions affect us or police reform or all those things. We have a mission and no matter what happens, we owe it to the American people to protect them, sometimes from themselves, but mostly from, from cartels. And we are the good guys and we will always win. It's just a really rough road sometimes to get there. Yes, so true. thank you for bringing that up, and that is very true. And and I'm glad you. Wow, thank you. Uh, that's a great honor hearing it uh, from you. But and and you're right. I mean, there's many times, you know. But you want to just say, you know what? And our deal was, hey, let Pablo Escobar surrender, let him go back to his custom-made prison. But then you see all the atrocities, all the violence, all your friends that get killed, and it's like we we can't give up. You know, we we have to you know get back in in the fight, and you relate that right now to with with the spills coming over, and you know the innocent uh, uh, people that are getting hurt. You know, like so the example of yeah, just one pill, and that's that's all that you know that's all it took. That person died. Yeah. So, and thank you, Sherry. Yeah, that's uh, and that and that's you know, and that's a great attitude that uh, we 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 gotta continue. And uh, you know, that's uh, that's what we do, and we're gonna continue doing it, even though sometimes we you know don't get that right. Uh, I guess media uh, message, but like like I've always said, you know, overall, most of us, most of us law enforcement is, is good people out there. And I believe that wholeheartedly. And I want to take a quick break right now. Stay with us. We'll be back in a few. Hi, 
this is Sherry inviting you to join Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, Sheriff Nanos talks about the state of the department and police reform. So get your questions ready and join the conversation at 790-2040. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and please support our mission at lawmatters1030.org. Until then, stay safe. This is Nathan Chabin, producer for Law Matters. I have a goal to reach and I need your help. I want to put the DEA out of business. That's right, the Drug Enforcement Agency. If you have an addiction problem or know someone who does, please reach out to lawmatters1030.org and click the DEA tab for more information. Reaching out is the first step. We have the resources if you have the will. You can beat this demon and help me put the Drug Enforcement Agency out of business. for staying with us. Our guest today is DEA Special Agent in Charge, Sherry Oz. And on the phone, we have Javier. And a whole TV series was written about Javier and Steve Narcos. And we're we're hearing his point of view on, on things. And I really appreciate you joining us. Sherry? So I just want to say I love that spot about putting DEA out of business. <laughs> and every time I hear it, it tickles me. I would love to be bored a year from now. So if you guys, um, I don't know, maybe go on vacation, spend some time with my kids. So, um, <laughs> and it takes all of us really in, in the fight against addiction, substance use and misuse, uh, and certainly going after the bad guys. So thank you for that. <laughs> thank you. Let me just that is a great I had never heard that I was like what at first I thought it was like get rid of DEA I said no no this is <laughs> you know it's 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 uh, eye catching it's uh, so congratulations whoever came up with that that's a great slogan and I and I truly believe it <laughs> very good I want to talk to you about um, what you're doing now what about, tell us about this Pan Am Airways flight 229 uh, yeah, and, and Steve, you know, Steve is more of the expert on that. But it's it's a it's a cold case, and he's more involved than I am. He's been out to the side. I've I've helped out uh, with other type of people here, but it was a uh, uh, Pan Am. It was what in the late thirties. The theory is that it was carrying money. Amelia Hart was also. Uh, involved, uh, but uh, they they took it hostage. They uh, they took this airplane uh, hostage. They 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 killed. They ended up killing the hostages. It was a Pan Am uh, crew. In the bodies, we're trying to find the bodies. There's been some uh, good good clues right now uh, as to where the bodies are at. But it, it was money. Also, uh, they. You know the story is that they also they're the ones responsible for the for the kidnapping and uh, of Amelia Earhart, and it, it all relates. And this this I mean, if we do find the bodies, it'll be the first time that uh, uh, this was uh, the first espionage. Uh, it, it you know, and the first uh, terrorism attack on the United States. So, it, it, and like I said, I'm just trying, you know, Steve is more the lead on it, so I've, I've been helping him on, on, on that. And uh, we're also, you know, I'm glad you, uh, we're, we're trying to do some uh, DEA-type stories uh, also. There's a new uh, uh, 
how you say it, a new production, a new uh, basically show the, the the world what the real stuff that DEA does, the positive, uh, the work of the ages, the hard work of the of the of the men and women of DEA who are out, who are out there taking down uh, this vicious cartel. So we're also trying to uh, show light that era and i think uh i think steve uh talked to you right sherry about that he did a little bit yes yeah 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 basically yeah yeah they all want to come to come to phoenix and it's uh uh there's still some background to be done uh, and i don't want to say too much but basically it's going to be going out to divisions and, and showing the world the, the good you know the, the the hard work that that dea does the sacrifices, the personal stories uh, that are out there, and there's, believe me, there's a lot of great uh, personal stories of, of of agents, you know, analysts sacrificing to do to get the job done. So we're trying to show uh, showcase that also uh, right now. And uh, obviously, you mentioned our book. Thank you for <laughs> mentioning uh, the it's book. It's a good read. <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know what? We wrote it after the series came out because people wanted to know the truth. And, and you know what? It, uh, Narcos is a great series. I mean, you know, it's a great series. It's entertainment, but there's some uh, what do we call artistic licenses involved, right? So and I heard that it. you are a player <laughs> on yeah. the show. So that's no. it. If you've seen the show, now this is uh, you know my. Uh, my character, they play it out to be a little bit crossing that line, you know, for, you know working <laughs> with bad guys, having sex with informants. You know, <laughs> I tell people, you know what? Uh, if that would have been true, I would have been getting out of prison right about now. So. <laughs> it's called artistic licenses. And, and let me just tell you another little funny story. When, you know, after Narcos uh, came up, uh, Steve and I, we started our own little, you know, uh, talking uh, talk show, basically, where, you know, we, we go out, you know, and at first it was DEA was, hey, coming out to our conferences, then law enforcement started, and then all of a sudden, we've been going out all over the world on our speaking uh, business. And, and, and our speaking business is we tell the real story of Pablo Escobar, basically the rise and fall of Pablo Escobar. And, and we tell the audience, we, you know, the truth. And we have original photos, we have original videos, so how he started, you know, then the height of the terrorism. And, and before I forget, I, I, you know, we talked about that, uh, like the Scarface movie, that uh, Robin Hood Aura of Pablo Escobar. Well, let me tell the listeners, Pablo Escobar was no Robin Hood. Robin Hood didn't kill the next presidential uh, candidate in Colombia. Robin Hood didn't put a bomb on a commercial airline that killed 107 people. Robin Hood didn't kill... Uh, ten to fifteen thousand innocent people. You know what? In one of his sicarios, a guy by the name of Popeye, because he was out there in social media. The guy died about a year ago, but he spent about twenty years in prison. He was one of Escobar's, you know, most violent sicarios. And once he came out, wow, this guy was a celebrity. And even documentaries were trying to get Steve and I to go on the same stage with Popeye. 
a self-confessed killer who t- was he publicly he would tell people he himself killed about 300 people uh and they wanted us to go on the same stage with this guy we said we will never never go on and talk with this guy this guy killed a lot of my good friends There's, you know i don't know you know anyway so the guy was publicly out there but he said that Escobar, that the, our figure is wrong that Escobar killed about 50 thousand people i mean oh fifty thousand people the terrorism i mean it was just some of the uh, you know bounties on police officers can you imagine a bounty on a police officer at a hundred dollars a hit that is pathetic one hundred dollars for for a human life then you know i talk about the car bombs we didn't i did not know you know we used to see them back in the middle east all of a sudden, Medellin, car bombs, they were, they were placing them, you know, about 10 on a daily basis. Uh, it, it was just something, uh, Pablo Escobar's terrorism was something that we were never uh, used to. We, we, we did not know uh, about terrorism. We called Pablo Escobar the inventor of narco-terrorism. And uh, so it was uh, just one of those that we were not prepared. Now, I'll be honest, we're a trafficker of this. Uh, type of nature, this violence. Uh, so but, but the story is Pablo Escobar was no Robin Hood. Yep, he built, you know, hospitals, he built uh, houses, but in return, he always wanted something, you know, all right, hey, you you work for me now, I need the family killed. Uh, there's a famous conversation, and I've talked about it, it's just something, uh, you know, <laughs> Sherry, you'll appreciate it. I cannot find the cassette tape. I used to have it, but it's Pablo Escobar talking on the phone with his wife, and in the background, he's telling her, you're, you're, you know, he misses her, he loves her, he'll see her soon, and then in the background, you hear a shriek. It's a yell. It's a guy who's yelling, and Pablo Escobar covers the phone, turns around, says, cover his mouth and then continues talking to his wife how much he loves her. I mean, that's that type of, they're torturing a guy, and then he all of a sudden he's just telling his wife he misses her, loves her. I mean, but it, it was just the, the stories we have are just uh, un, unbelievable. And then, uh, you know, and then all of a sudden you look at, you know, the, the Mexican traffickers, what they've been doing also, you know, with the, with the heads hanging people. I mean, it is just something that's not, you know, it's not humane. Uh, of course, it's not humane, but it's something like who would do stuff like this? So uh, the moral of the story I was trying to get into, I get off, you know, on tangents, but uh, it would, traffickers should not be, uh, should not be idolized. And uh, like I said, even with this guy Popeye trying to get us on the same stage uh, with him. So anyway, during, and then uh, when COVID hit, you know, our speaking business went down, which was, you know, it, we, we needed a break, but hopefully we are, we're starting to back up back up again. So we got a couple of things uh, that are still uh, keeping us uh, active and uh, we're always, like you said, just, you know, advocating for uh, the, the drugs. It's it's a bad business and Sherry there in Arizona, you're seeing it at the, at the worst, I think, at the best and the worst, if I can say that, because you're seeing uh, the, 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 the bulk of this dope coming in, you're seeing the victims you know, and let me just say, what's one of the answers? You know what? I yeah, I wish we had an answer. And yeah. as I said, what happens with this cartels? One takes 
taken down, another one takes it over. We believe, and I think Sherry, you and I are on the same page. Education, uh, getting out there to the public, to the people, to the families, and it's just not a family problem. It's it's everybody's uh, uh, problem. Our our, our institutions are, uh, uh, you know, everybody tries to blame schools. Hey, schools, we got some of the best teachers out there. Uh, it's just it's everybody's problem. Everybody needs to get involved, and I know. Uh, that DEA, now let's share, there was a new strategy, right? That 360, is that still, or there's another combination of it right now? Right, so we had DEA 360, which was our education and outreach. Um, We've now upgraded that, and now we are in Operation Engage. We are going as putting as many resources as we can into Yavapai County currently here in Arizona, Um, and we kind of... um, join forces with they have a, a great uh, education and prevention uh, network up there already so we join forces with them and just getting getting that prevention piece going because we realize we we can't arrest ourselves out of this problem and we have to be on the front side and we have to join the conversation early we can't be um, on the backside telling people hey what you did was wrong and then I make a, a cry to all the the parents out there as well because there are drugs in your neighborhood right now I promise you they're in your schools your kids are have access to more than you know and so as a mom myself start the conversation talk to your kids tell them that you will be disappointed with them because that still works your kids care what you think and I'm if I could save your kids, I, I'll, I will have any conversation with them and with anyone in the neighborhood because we have to be truth tellers. Absolutely. And I don't think parents realize that, you know, their kids can just be buying these drugs online, have them delivered to their home or wherever, and their parents wouldn't be any wiser. Absolutely. They could be selling them and, and not taking them, which is Worse. not good. <laughs> yeah. It's okay to kill somebody else, right? Right. Uh, you know, it's just, we need to get a handle on it. It's out of control, totally out of control. And if you know somebody who needs some help getting rehabilitated, there's resources on our website, lawmatters1030.org. Go to the DEA tab and there's resources there. And if that doesn't work, give me a call and I'll see what I can do for you. I've had people call me before and we've had some success stories, but there are so many other people out there that need the help. So, Javier. Yes. <laughs> I wanted to see if you're still listening. <laughs> no, no that, that, that's great. And I've, you know, that's, so the operation is Engage, Sherry, the new one? Yes, sir. Operation Engage. Okay. So Engage. yesterday, yeah, I, I, okay. I did talk to Steve yesterday, and I right. said, oh, I'm going to... I'm going to talk to Javier tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, ask him about Aguadiente because apparently <laughs> there's a lot of stories with you and this you know, Aguadiente. Of course, of course, that's the national drink of Colombia. You know what? <laughs> it, 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 and I want listeners also to, uh, you know, what we always, we encourage Colombia is a great country. It's a beautiful country. Please, if you want to visit, please visit Colombia. Medellin is beautiful. Bogota, it's safe now. Aguardiente is a national drink. Yeah, I've, uh, I experimented with Aguardiente. It's, uh, it's like a licorice type of uh, uh, a drink. But, uh, I it, looked it up, Javi. It's like 60% yeah. alcohol. <laughs> oh, I know. Please. So don't smoke a cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> 
one of my first nights at where we lived there in the barracks, I think it was a Christmas or, you know, so I had to be there in Medellin. So the officers invited me to their home. Wow. I went, <laughs> when I came back to our barracks, I was like throwing up in the <laughs> and he's a little drunk too. So he's going through the hallways. I need alcohol cells, right? I need He was also a little shit face. <laughs> They're throwing up. Alcohol cells are on your side. But, uh, but you know, like I said, uh, but Colombia is a beautiful country. We encourage, please go visit. And yeah, you know what I tell the only caveat. In Medellin, I mean, I have, I'm looking at some of my posters, I have them on my wallets. They're, they're famous for the flower festival, Feria de las Flores, the biggest flower festival. Yes, we all know a lot of the flowers uh, come from Colombia. And at that time, a lot of cocaine was also being inside, smuggled inside the flowers. Uh, but, you know, I, I tell people, visit Medellin. The only thing is, do not bat mouth Pablo Escobar Medellin because of that. There's people that still think that he is that hero, which, you know, we dispel that myth, but uh, that's the only caveat because there's still a lot of people that, you know, that uh, think Pablo Escobar was the best guy in the world. Wow. That's pretty amazing when you think how many yeah, people yeah, have yeah. died because of him and his yeah, activities. I, I know. Exactly. But, you know, some of those traffickers, you know, they're idolized and memorialized and uh, so that's why we we try to tell them the truth is the traffickers don't care they're going to kill as many people people die as long as they get their dope uh, across and that's that's part of the thing we have it's not stopped as you said somebody else picks up the ball and runs with it do you think mexico will ever take their country back away from these cartels who are running things javier uh, yeah, and, I, and I've had experience, like you said. I mean, my last job in Houston, I had the southwest border. Uh, there's the, the corruption is out there. The violence. I mean, we see the the examples of the of the you know the bodies of the heads, you know, the bodies hanging from bridges. It's it's intimidation. They try to pay off as many people as they can. Uh, and I know that that we're trying, and uh, you know, I just saw something where the president in Mexico is, I guess, trying not to work with DEA. And you know, this is me. This is Javier Pena. Nobody else saying this, but you know, I see that, and we we need to get better. At that that's a great question. Will we ever? I, I hope so. Right now, I don't see it. I, I do not see it, and this is, like I said, my opinion, uh, because of the violence, of the, the corruption. Uh, we and it's 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 our partner, it's uh, it's our neighbor uh, to the south, and you know we we see the the chapels, <laughs> the chapito, I love that. I love something, right? Take taking over, but it's just the violence, the intimidation, the money that's out there. I don't know when we're going to see it. Maybe when we get a new president in Mexico, that might be the case. We've We've got like 30 seconds left. I want to thank you for spending your Saturday morning with us on air. And I want to thank Sherry for coming down here from Phoenix. And until next week, I want everybody to shop local, stay safe. And if you have a drug problem, get into rehab and stop buying those Mexican avocados. 
this is Sherry inviting you to join Law Matters live show every Saturday morning at 8. On our next show, Sheriff Manos talks about the state of the department and police reform. So get your questions ready and join the conversation at 790-2040. Law Matters podcast can be found on iTunes, Google Play, and please support our mission at lawmatters1030.org. Until then, stay safe. KVOI Cortero, AM 1030, the voice of Tucson. Trusted local news and talk. A Bustos media station.